Amen. Uh, getting into the Word uh, today, we're going to be going to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, and we're going to read from a well-known parable that Jesus taught from. He was a master teacher, and uh, that was his forte. He used parables to teach from, uh, and um, this is one that is well-known. We're going to read it today, <laughs> Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 30, and down through verse 37. A certain man went down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Notice that he kind of just went around him. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend... I will come again, I will repay you. Now think about this. He's offering to do this to a stranger, someone he had never met before. Amen. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Judas said to him, Go and do likewise. Father, Lord, as we come this day, we thank you and we praise you for the privilege to be in your house. And we ask now as we turn to your word that you will speak to us and give us encouragement and help us to learn from your word today what you would have us to know. And everything's accomplished. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Let the church say, Amen. praise the Lord, you can be seated, hallelujah. Seem like we say this every year, but um, this year has just flown by. I mean... I went through Thanksgiving this time. It's come and gone and over with, and it's hard for me to even process in my mind that it's Thanksgiving. Uh, and Christmas here is right around the corner. And before you know it, this year is going to be gone. It's going to be in the history pages. And after that happens, after... Uh, midnight on the 31st of December, 
nothing else will ever be able to be added to, to the year 2017. As I was praying and uh, contemplating what the Lord would lay upon my heart to bring to you this morning, uh, there was one word that started to come to the front of my mind that I couldn't get shut of. And as we are winding down this year, and it's swiftly coming to a close, like I said, there's one thing that I would, and I think the Lord would desire, that we all would try to strive to do more of this coming year, in the year 2018. And that is getting involved. Getting involved. And from that thought, I'm going to preach this morning the subject titled, Involvement is Essential in Compassion. Hallelujah. I want you to think about that for a few minutes. Involvement is essential in compassion. I don't, I'm not asking nobody to raise no hands. I just want you to think. But do you consider yourself a compassionate person? Do you think of yourself as being compassionate and caring uh, of other people. I would like to think of myself as such that I am a compassionate person and willing to show compassion and, and mercy uh, and help and, and those things to somebody else, to my uh, brothers and sisters and to my fellow man as a whole. But there is a litmus test, if you please, to whether or not you are a compassionate person. Uh, when, I, when I worked at um, State Industries, uh, after a while I was put on the quality control team and there was a uh, great big unit that the metals passed through. It was uh, it was called um, a, a pickling machine. It used uh, acids and various things to treat the metal and the steel. Uh, it was one of the first processes that it went through in becoming a hot water heater. And when I it was one of my duties and responsibilities to go around at a certain time. It was not a pleasant job because I had to get close to that thing and open up a side container and draw out uh, uh, samples of the, uh, of the fluids and stuff. And I would uh, use litmus paper and various things to test the contents. And it had to, everything had to read a certain thing. And, and I thought about that. I was, I was thinking about compassion. And am I a compassionate person? 
do I have the compassion for my brothers and sisters like the Lord would want me to have? And I may say that I'm compassionate, and I may try to think that I'm compassionate and I have compassion, but the litmus test to whether or not I am a compassionate person is where or not there's some involvement in my life. Because involvement is essential in compassion. You can think you're compassionate all you want and feel like you're compassionate. You might tell somebody you're compassionate. But how involved are you getting in the cause of the Lord and in helping your fellow man? I don't think there's no other word, no other message the Lord would like to hear delivered to his church at this time of the year as we're looking into a new year because sometimes we become sidetracked and we get so involved in other things that we don't get involved enough in the things that God wants his people involved in. Now the parable Jesus taught of the Good Samaritan was given after a lawyer who had asked Jesus about eternal life. Now when I say lawyer, uh, it's not the kind of lawyer that we call a lawyer today. Uh, this lawyer, that's what they called men back then who were scholars of the Old Testament law. They studied the Old Testament law and they taught the Old Testament law. And so they were called lawyers. And this lawyer came to the Lord, if you go back earlier in that chapter, and you can read it in, uh, if you'd like to, but he come to the Lord, and um, and uh, he asked the Lord. He said, "What what must I do uh, uh, to gain eternal life?" And um, Jesus said, "Well, you know, you know the law. You're a lawyer. You know what say you the scriptures say." And he he came out with one of the first commandments that you love, the Lord thy God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And um, so Jesus conferred with him on that. And the Bible says that the man trying to justify himself said, well, who is my neighbor? It's evident that he, he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. So to try to justify his inactions, he said, well, who is my neighbor anyway? You know, and so that's when Jesus did some teaching. That's when he sat down and began to teach the story of the good Samaritan. You see, Jesus knows the heart of all men. Hallelujah. I believe that the Lord sensed a lack of compassion in this supposedly religious man's heart. Because the real story behind the parable of the Good Samaritan is compassion. Now, we hear this uh, story used many times, and you can bring out many things about it. But when you dissect this parable, 
What it's really about is having compassion. Hallelujah. To your fellow man. That's the real story. But everything, everything has a fruit. Can you say amen? John told the people coming to him to be baptized. He said, if you have repented and you want to be baptized, he said, show fruit of your repentance. Amen. And I believe that the fruit of compassion, amen, is involvement. Involvement. I want to give you a story, a true story, that was found in the pages of the New York Times a few years back. And this is part of what was printed in the newspaper. At approximately 3.20 in the morning, <coughs> on a March day, a young lady, 28 years old, her name was, uh, was Kenny, uh, Kitty Diversi. Uh, and she was returning to her home, and it was in, it wasn't in a slum area, but it was in a nice middle-class area of Queens, New York. She parked her car in a nearby parking lot, turned off the lights, and started to walk to her second-floor apartment, which was only about 35 yards away. But she only got as far as a street light, when this man grabbed her, she screamed, lights went on in the 10-story apartment building, and she yelled out, oh my God, he stabbed me. Somebody please help me. Windows opened up in the apartment building, and a man's voice shouted down below, let that girl alone. The attacker looked up, and he took off down the street. Miss Diversity struggled to get to her feet. Lights were turned back out in the apartments. So the attacker came back and stabbed her the second time. She again cried out, I'm dying, I'm dying. And again, the lights came on and windows opened in many of the nearby apartments. The assailant again left, this time got in a car and began to drive away. Miss Kitty staggered to her feet after being stabbed two times. She staggered and again, uh, as a even a city bus drew by, the attacker returned the third time, found her lying in a doorway at the foot of the stairs, and stabbed her the third time. This time, the attack was fatal. It was 350 by this time in the morning and the police received their very first emergency call. They responded quickly 
The police was there within only two minutes at the scene. But the young lady had already died. Now, this lady and her name would become uh, synonymous in the public mind for a dark side of the character of a nation and how much this nation has changed. It would stand for Americans who were too indifferent or too frightened or too alienated or too self-absorbed to get involved in helping a fellow human being that was in trouble. Detectives investigating the murder discovered that there were 38 of her neighbors who had witnessed and heard at least one of her killer's three attacks, but neither had come to her aid or called the police. The only call made to police was after she was dead. If her neighbors had only gotten involved, she would be alive today. But the truth be known, there was a lack of compassion for the distress of a fellow neighbor. If there were, mm, my Lord, hallelujah, if there were the least bit of compassion, someone would have gotten involved and at least made that phone call the first time the lady screamed out. Involvement is essential in compassion. Church, we can jump up and down and run around here all we want to, saying we got the truth, we got the truth. But the world out there who's dying and lost could care less how much you know until they know how much you care. the church in 2018 could spend a little less time preaching gospel and a little more time showing compassion because the gospel ain't no good the gospel ain't effective and the gospel won't change one life unless the person who's declaring the gospel has chose genuine love and compassion The world has got to know that we care, that we're genuine, that we are real. Simply stated, it's time that we get off of her, our lazy good intentions and start getting involved. <coughs> Brother Douglas And he's not doing it for this, but he don't know how much I appreciate the involvement of him. Amen to Cecilia going week after week and been doing it for so long. Amen. Under that bridge, even in the cold of winter, 
when the crowds get low of people who come to serve and there help serve meals to homeless people uh, and then giving them a chance to hear somebody there preach the gospel, sing a gospel song. What is that? That's involvement. It's in getting involved. It is showing compassion. Now, there's a couple things that I want to share with you, and I've got to move on quickly. But number one, love demonstrated through action. Hallelujah. Love demonstrated through action. I'm going to read 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> and this is what he says. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I have heard some people read and talk about this verse and they misinterpret this verse. They use it like the lawyer did to try to justify their inaction. What am I talking about? Well, it said, but whoever has this world's goods... It amazes me that some people try to twist that and try to make it uh, think the Bible is saying, well, if you are wealthy and you're well off and then you see somebody in need and then they'll try to justify themselves, well, I, I don't have this world's good. I'm not wealthy. You know, I mean, there's plenty of other people out there can help better than I can. But you know what that is called? It's called a cop-out. Because that is not what the scripture is saying here. I'm going to read that same scripture, but I'm going to use a, a, a newer translation, the God's Word translation, if they'll put that up. Now, look at the same scripture. Now, suppose a person has enough to live on and notices another believer in need. How can God's love be in that person if he doesn't bother to help the other believer? Dear children, we must show love through actions that are sincere, not through empty words. Hallelujah. You have heard the phrase, talk is cheap. Amen? Well, lack of involvement is proof of no compassion. Amen. There's a lot of people who are more than willing to drop a few bucks in the offering pan and say, let somebody else worry about the detail. Come on, somebody. I mean, I know for a fact, and I've heard other pastors talk about, there's some people who, who are some good givers, but they, they let that stop them from getting involved and really getting their hands on and getting their hands dirty because they got the attitude that don't come from God, but it comes from the devil. Well, because I give such and such money, I let somebody else do what needs to be done. 
My, 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 God help us. Hallelujah. Just because we put a few bucks in the offering plate does not set us free from what needs to be done in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So, when the Bible says whoever has this world's goods, it ain't talking about somebody who's wealthy and got, got all this big stuff. But it says if you got, suppose a person has enough to live on and notice another person and you turn your back on them. Amen. We have got to be involved. And, you know, we are reaching out in groups and we're going to be reaching out with more groups and like the Beauty for Ashes and that's what this canned food drive is all about because they're constantly needing food and a lot of people are big givers during the holidays uh, and they'll give extra during the holidays to help see somebody uh, a, a turkey dinner for Thanksgiving and ham dinner for, for Christmas or whatever the case may be but what if you had to live on just one meal a year? Those same homeless people and hungry people out there and people in need is going to still be hungry and homeless and in need come January 1 and February 1. Amen. Hallelujah. I never will, will forget Brother, Brother Wayne was talking to me one time, Wayne George, and he said, you know, and he said, these same people that we help just once a year, he said, what do we expect them to do the rest of the year? Hallelujah. We have got to be involved, church, to be proactive as in being the light of this dark world, to demonstrate the love and compassion of Christ through involvement when a need presents itself, no matter if it's Christmas or not. We got to be willing to get involved any time a need presents itself. The second point: His compassion demonstrated by our involvement. How in the world can we get the world to believe and understand and know that God loves them? I mean, that's what we try. To show the world. Amen. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Um, you think they're going to take your word for it? You think they're going to believe it just because you said it? How do we show the world the love of Christ? How do we show the world his compassion? Well, it's demonstrated by our involvement. Hallelujah. It's demonstrated by our involvement. Matthew chapter 14, and I'm rushing because I'm not going to be able to finish my whole message. But Matthew 14, beginning at verse 14, reading down through verse 16, let's see what it says. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, 
and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, he's talking to his disciples. <coughs> and don't think that was just the 12. He was talking to all his disciples, not just the 12 apostles, but as we recently did teaching, the word disciple means follower. Hallelujah. You sitting in here today as a follower or as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been born again, filled with the Spirit, you are a disciple. Hallelujah. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You, you give them something to eat. Hallelujah. Jesus had compassion on the multitude and he expected his disciples to demonstrate his compassion through what they would do. Hallelujah. Now, you read on down there, and I'm not going to read all of it <coughs> because of time. But they said, but, you know, all we got is a, you know, is a load here. And I find a lot of times that is one excuse people give for not getting involved and in showing the compassion of the Lord. We don't have enough to help everybody. We don't have enough. We're not able. But here is the key, church, and I'm winding my message down. Here is the key. If you are willing to get involved and share what you did have, they took what they have, not what Jesus had. Come on. They took what they had which was the loaves and the fishes, and presented it to Jesus, and he did what? He blessed it. You want to walk in the blessings of God? Get involved. Start giving something you got to the Lord. Come on. And even though it might not be sufficient to fill all the needs that are out there, when you give whatever it is you got to the Lord, God will bless it, and it will be multiplied. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And everybody can benefit because you get involved. Now, before I go to the keyboard, I don't want to walk away from here to make you think that your involvement has ever, just everything to do just with, with money and just helping feed people. That's only a little part of it. There's a world out there that's dying and going to hell, going off into eternity to meet God unprepared Possibly because they live next door to a, a Christian who went to church every Sunday but refused to get involved 
in sharing the gospel. When I'm talking about involvement, I'm talking about being proactive and telling everybody you meet about Jesus. Trying to win souls to the Lord. Trying to get them in to the kingdom. Hallelujah. <coughs> there are many ways and many areas that we need to get involved in people's lives. I don't have time to get into all of them today, but please, I hope that this message will encourage you, not shame you, but encourage you to say, Lord, and pray that prayer, Lord, help me to get more involved this next year than I've ever been before. Hallelujah. It's not easy. It's not easy. You know, you, you, work, you work a hard, long day. When you get home, hey amen, you don't want to be bothered. But guess what? You're a chosen child of God. And if I don't do the work of Christ, and if you don't do it, it's not going to be done, and somebody's going to suffer because we fail to get involved and show compassion. Everybody stand together. <coughs>